0: A very good afternoon to all you KZMU radio listeners, whether you're reaching us by the airwaves or via the internet, it's really great to have you on board this afternoon for another This Week in MoLab show. I'm on just a little ahead of schedule because we're expecting a call from our representative in the state house, Carl Albrecht, and through the magic of this um, Zoom world, we'll call it, I can already see he is in the studio virtually so to speak. And with that said, I'm going to jump right to him because I know he's a very busy man. Well, thank you very much for first of all taking time out of your what is probably an extremely busy schedule at the moment up in the state house to join us here at KZMU. So, thank you for that and welcome. Can I ask yeah. can I ask you a quick question before we get going? I just want you to kind of explain to the listeners here of how it's been a little different this year in your job at the legislator, because um, you've been a long serving legislator in the state house, and this is the first pandemic you probably faced as a legislator. Can you just tell us how that's been and you know what it's for your, from your perspective?
1: This is my fifth session, Howard, and it's it's been uh, quite the adjustment with all the COVID protocols. Uh, we all wear masks all of the time. We have social distancing. We've had uh, plexiglass, windows around three sides of our desks on the House floor. The Senate has not had those. It's made it a little difficult to communicate with constituents. There's starting to be a few more come up here and visit me in my office. And uh, one thing I have noticed, Howard, is that uh, there's a lot more people using Zoom and and testifying in committees that way, which uh, I think People are more willing to do that than sometimes testify in person.
0: I would be, I'd have to say our, our local officials have been very grateful for the Zoom participation because it allows particularly people in the more rural parts of the state that's perhaps quite a distance from Salt Lake City to also participate in what you're doing up there. So in some ways, it's almost been a, a godsend in a sense. you know, It's helped that communication flow go a little better, I would imagine, and participation-wise. Let's jump right into really the meat of the topic, because as you well know, this has been probably one of the hottest issues down in Grand County for quite some time now, and that is the legislation concerning the transient room taxes and the amendments that you have been behind on trying to make amendments here. Can you give us and the community an update of what, what how things are as we speak?
1: Sure. Uh, this is the second year I've run some transient room tax amendments. Uh, it's a difficult bill. I've... Uh, I've uh, been working on it since about June or July. It's hard to bring all of the uh, various stakeholders together. I work closely with the Utah Association of Counties and also the Utah tourism uh, folks and, and others, but uh, they were the main ones. It's, uh, it's been a difficult process, but uh, we, we had a committee last Friday afternoon where my bill was presented and had a lot of zoom testimony as well as in person testimony. And, uh, it went well, uh, it passed out of the revenue and tax committee unanimously and now moves on to the house floor. And so I'll be uh, presenting that on the house floor, possibly towards the end of this week.
0: What is your hope for the bill to pass? I mean, I realize I've heard the state legislator described as a funnel that at the beginning of the legislature you have all these bills piling in the top, and at then at the end of the funnel you've got a little spout where the bills actually come through in process. So how is that how does it stand in that process, do you feel?
1: Well, I think I'll be okay with this bill because it was one of my four priorities. Okay. And priority bills Even if they're sitting on the calendar that last week or week and a half, uh, they get moved up towards the top. So I I don't worry about this bill passing uh, through through the House and over to a Senate committee and on through the Senate. It's a good bill for rural Utah and rural Utah counties.
0: Can I ask a question? I mean, Grand County obviously has some um, unique factors to it, and I would argue that there are can be very few counties of our size as in class four five or six counties where the transient room tax actually exceeds the property taxes so it would seem that some grand county's um, voice in this agenda you know it's it's we we've done a really good job i would say in our community developing tourism as you know for better or for worse so it's really great to hear upstate that you're working with um, changes that will probably help the community quite a bit down here
1: there was a special provision in the bill uh, far Grand County uh, because you represent two national parks and have been overrun by tourism. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, the visitor experience has maybe been suffering a little bit down there because of lack of uh, proper infrastructure necessary to accommodate everything you'd like to, but uh, this, this will uh, recognize the need to, uh, to diversify Grand County's economy. Uh, it allows Grand County to uh, implement uh, economic diversification uh, consistent with uh, governor's office of economic development programs and, and others. And uh, it does follow the governor's budget recommendations, uh, allowing our rural counties that are heavily impacted by tourism to have more control uh, uh, over how their TRT tax is spent.
0: Let me just um, further ask you this question, Carl, if I may, that I'm sure you've heard this um, over many, many years, that one of the biggest issues and opportunities we face is the lack of affordable housing, particularly in a county where over 90% of our land is actually not ours. It belongs to the federal government. That's another unique factor to a lot of the counties that you represent. Um... With that said, is there any provisions within the law that would allocate, I mean, as far as the county transient room tax goes, there's actually quite specific details on how that money can be spent, which is actually quite good. Is there any possibility that housing can be added to that list of essential needs for a community, particularly when you're, we have so little opportunities here as far as we have lots of land, but we can't really use it for building houses, if you know what I mean.
1: right. Uh, that's a possibility. We've been discussing that a little bit as, as, uh, maybe, uh, an amendment in the Senate, uh, Senate committee when it gets there, we'll see how that goes, Howard. Uh, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's been a struggle to, to get where we are now. Uh, we had to have, uh, an agreement the last day before committee last week between, uh, tourism and the association of counties and, uh, It's a difficult process. It's a difficult bill because each rural county is affected differently.
0: Absolutely. And I think we often forget that as a county, Carl, I have to admit that I'm guilty of that, that sometimes we're in our own echo chamber, so to speak. And we forget that the state is actually 29 counties and it needs 28 other counties often to ratify decisions that might just affect one county. So you have, you know, developing consensus across the board is, you know, probably the, the craft of your work in a sense, is it not?
1: It is. Uh, it, it's very difficult to keep everyone happy and on the same page. There is a a five year sunset provision that we negotiated for for Grand County tourism industry wanted three years. I said no. It's got to be five. And uh, you know, there's also a provision in the bill to allow rural counties to contact the state tax commission and say, hey, we've got some bad actors in our county and and that are not paying their trt tax and we would uh encourage you to go out at so and so and uh that provision was included in the bill uh and i think that'll grow the pot so that uh you know there's more money for for everybody to use under trt but like i said not everybody's completely happy the tourism industry Took a position of neutri- neutrality, but uh, you know you take a little county like Wing County, uh, with about 2,500 uh, residents that are 97 percent public lands, and the three percent that left o- is left over is is about 50 uh, percent greenbelt. So they really don't have uh, a lot of room for taxation. Yet on holiday weekends, they've got all those people down there. Uh, going to Capitol Reef National Park and Canyonlands. Uh, so it, it's it's hard to please everyone. I would have liked to have had county auditors to be a little more involved in the auditing process, but through negotiations with the Tax Commission, that was eliminated. But overall, I think we got a pretty good bill for rural Utah. Uh, Grand County, I think, got a, a really good uh exemption here to help them and, uh, hopefully we'd move forward and make life a little better for you down there.
0: Well, we certainly appreciate all your efforts. I know your time is short. Is there anything else you want to, you know, just let us know about things that we should be keeping our eye on as a rural County from from your perspective?
1: Yeah. Stay involved through, uh, you know, the online process, or if you want to come up and visit, welcome to have that. Uh, I know wintertime, sometimes the roads are not good, but, uh, with this, uh, covid zoom procedure you know everybody's welcome to get on and comment and help us out Uh, you know how sausage is made sometimes it's not a pretty process but in the end it tastes pretty good
0: (laughs) that's a great line to go out on there carl and i really appreciate all your time and energy and efforts and helping us out here and not you don't often hear that but i personally would like to thank you for all the work you do for our county as a representative and keep up the good work thanks a lot and good evening have a good evening you too bye-bye Representative Carl Albrecht, there are one of our two representatives. Funnily enough, um, w- some people look at this in different ways. I look at it as well. We have two representatives in our house of, at the state house, as opposed to one. For whatever reason that occurs. Um, thank you, Carl, for participating and give us an update. It seems like that's good news for most people in town and. A couple of disclaimers I didn't get to prior to this um, discussion with Carl. First of all, that the opinions and statements heard in this program are those of the presenter and do not necessarily represent the management or trustees of KZMU, Moab Community Radio. And anyone with differing viewpoints is invited to call the office at 259-8824. And that's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two should be that um, for many of you listeners out there will know that I, the host, Howard Trenholm, wear a few hats in this town. And one of those hats is as a board member of the Moab Area Travel Council Advisory Board. So I just wanted to put that out there that um, I am involved in some of the processes that are taking place. And I will also say that I commend all the efforts that we've done as a community to be heard up in the State House with the TRT laws. It obviously works, and I, I think obviously the lobbying is working, and perhaps the next step will be... I didn't ask about the ATV laws, but again... I believe our community suffers from unintended consequences of that state law, and this these um, workings with our leaders will be the way we can collaborate and also help solve some of our problems. I guess I do have um, two other guests who will be zooming in to be with us this afternoon Uh, in a few minutes. Talking with Dr. Courtney Flint, who is a PhD from uh, that's obvious when it says doctor, right? From Utah State University. And she has been working on a well-being project across the state and is going to um, reveal some very interesting finds, particularly um, concerning he- us folks here in Grand and Moab. After Dr. Flint, um, Elaine Gisler will be joining from really with her, she's wearing a couple hats too, but this evening she'll be really focusing on a, her position on economic development and what, with what we've just heard from the state house, it looks like there'll be more um, impetus for that particular position. But really, going to talk about another uh, sponsored survey study that will be beginning to occur this year a lot with a group called the Caraggio Group. And again, that is a very involved process engaging uh, the local community in the process of what the business we're currently in, which is tourism and hospitality. And Elaine will definitely allude. And talk more to that as well as other areas within the e- role of economic development. if she has time, perhaps she may talk to a little bit about what we should expect from the tourism sector this coming year since it is imminent. Thankfully through Zoom, we have our, new, our next guest in the virtual studio with us. Court, Dr. Courtney Flint, can you hear me Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can very well. Thank you very much for joining us. I'll let you introduce yourself to our um, community here, if you would, if you'd like to, please.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Courtney Flint, and I'm a professor of natural resources and sociology at Utah State University, and I'm also a community resource specialist for USU Extension.
0: Are you Are you based here in Moab? Or are you based elsewhere?
2: I'm based in Logan.
0: Okay. And what is your, can you tell us a little bit about your academic background your, your and what you are, who you are? Yeah,
2: sure, sure. So I have uh, two degrees in geography from NAU in Flagstaff and from CU Boulder. And then I have a PhD in rural sociology from Penn State University. And all that was a long time ago. I've been around the block for a while.
0: And you're now working academia at, up in Logan for USU. You're working on this project called the Wellbeing Project. Now that I would love for you just to really take it from there and explain what this is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this started as just a kind of a small little research idea, working with some undergrads, trying to figure out um, how we can measure well-being. And uh, we started out with iPads out in parks and public places um, in a couple places around the state and presented that data that we gathered from folks about how were they doing, how is their well-being and across different categories and what issues would they think were important in their communities. And we presented it to cities and and they really loved the chance to get this information directly from their residents. And so we scaled up this project and developed more of a partnership-based approach, working with cities around the state um, so that we could uh, gather information about how people are doing and what do they think about community issues uh, in their own city. um, And then bring it back to the cities to try to help support planning processes and decisions city council discussions things like that so it's it's really developed as an extension project to serve the cities of utah with information and so it's grown over the years and right now we have 30 partnering cities um and it's underway right now and moab residents are participating and great numbers we have 381 surveys completed already and we'll keep this open for another week or so and hopes that we can uh, gather information from other people
0: for those that are listening in right now can you immediately give information as to how people who may be listening can participate in this survey just some obviously email or website information i guess it is
2: yeah, absolutely. Probably the fastest way to get the link for Moab is to just Google Utah Wellbeing Project. And that'll take you to my website. And then you'll find there's a link that's directly into the Moab survey. Um, that, there is a longer survey link, but it might be too confusing to give over the radio. OK,
0: that's, that's the simplest way is the Wellbeing Study USU Moab. And that would get you to the page you need to be
2: Yeah, I would just go Google Utah Wellbeing Project, USU, and then go right to the MOAB link, and it'll take you right into the survey that's online. Takes about 10 minutes or so.
0: Can I ask you some of the things you're trying to measure?
2: Absolutely. Trying to get a sense of how people feel their overall well-being, and just in terms of however they think about the word well-being, because I'll tell you, it's defined in so many different ways around the world. We're letting people define it for themselves. But then we also ask about 10 different, uh, in Moab, 11 different categories of well-being. People can tell us not only how their well-being is in those categories, and and also how important they are to their well-being. And that includes things like living standards and income, physical and mental health, connections with nature and local environmental quality, Safety and security, leisure time, education, things like that, all kinds of different things that might go into making up someone's well being. And then we also have questions on community, community connectedness, taking action, community concerns, how different landscapes influence your well being, uh, and things like that. And then we have quite a few demographics in the survey. And I'll tell you there's two reasons for that. One is that we want to be able to say um, how well we are representing the city. The residents of moab in our results and so we can compare our demographics of our respondents with what the census tells us is in more the moab area but then we can also use it to sort of see is is our well-being and perspectives varying across different groups within the local community Uh, and that data really helps us do that what
0: do you and what are you finding
2: yeah so last year we found that um Overall, folks in Moab were very similar to other cities around Utah. The well-being was about 3.77 on a scale of one to five, and that's pretty good, really. Um, We learned that uh, folks are what's really important to folks, but not rated as high, what we call in the red zone as local environmental quality and living standards, Um, but that they really value and rate very highly connection with nature, physical health, and safety and security. So um, a few different things going on there. We learned that housing issues, neighborhood noise were important local concerns for, for folks in Moab. And this year so far, the preliminary data Uh, is telling us that As we would probably expect in this pandemic year, that well-being is declining for folks um, uh, quite a bit, Moab, more than most other cities. People are telling us that their individual well-being has gone down, and also just the community's well-being has declined, um, particularly in areas like cultural opportunities, mental health, and social connections. So this is just early preliminary analysis, but those are some of the directions the data are telling us are, are going on.
0: You mentioned that Moab had submitted so far 381 surveys. I'm just wondering if they're, based on what you're, the information you've currently received, are there any different demographic groups you would like to participate in this study? Is there some glaring, missing groups of individuals that you see we'd like to hear from?
2: Well, the one big group we need to hear more from is MET. We find that online surveys, we hear a lot more from women than men. And in Moab, it's even stronger. So we really need the the guys to take 10 minutes and do this survey. Um, But uh, so that's the big group. Otherwise, we're not looking too bad, really. Just really want to reach out to folks of all walks of life, um, you know, Whatever we you know, we really want to come up, cut across different levels of education, different levels of income, different ethnic and racial backgrounds. It's really important to hear from as diverse a population as possible. I mean, even if you've only lived in Moab for a year, we want your perspective as well as. Those of you who've been there for 40, 50 years and everybody in between.
0: So you're looking for, I mean, you can, can you determine between those folks that maybe live here, but are maybe retired versus the workforce of the town here and disseminate between, because those two groups have different, obviously goals and, and where they are, you know, one group may want it quiet, other group may want more people, you know, it just depends on where you are in your particular life span, I guess.
3: That's
2: absolutely right. And we can get at this with these data because we have information about people's employment status, whether they're retired, what age group they're in, how long they've lived there. So, yeah, we can slice and dice these data and really kind of dig in and tell the unique story of Moab because and that's really important because Moab was really quite unlike any other city in Utah um demographically and just in terms of its economy and location so um we want to be able to dig in and and get into moab's issues and not just always compare it to other places which is not always that useful
0: um you know i was i don't know if you caught a little bit possibly not because you're joining in but was in discussion with our our state representative who represents you know not just grand county which is as you mentioned a very unique county a, what our product is and how it's been developed beyond a point that, you know, is normal in other parts. So I'm just wondering, you know, when you compare apples with apples, when you compare other counties of similar size to Grand, I mean, I, 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 we often think that we live in a big city, but realistically, we're still a class four, five or six county, which makes us quite small. I'm just wondering how we relate to other similar size and, you know, rural counties that you're measuring.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, there's a lot of, in a lot of ways, it comes across similar as other similar sized um, communities, but um, with Moab's heavy duty emphasis on the the tourism, uh, uh, recreation base there, uh, you know, those, those comparisons only can go so far because the other rural communities that are of a similar size, oftentimes just don't have quite that same heavy duty amenity focus. Um, And so what we really need to do is grow a money tree and be able to do this throughout the West where we can find a lot more similar communities that have that high amenity focus um, as Moab does. So, But in their group of resort and rural hub communities, um, Moab is is really not that statistically different in, in some of the key ways of other small towns. You know, people People value their quality of life, their landscapes around them. They value their social relationships and their health and mental health. So, you know, those kinds of things, you know, generally comparable.
0: How long have you been doing this process just out of interest? It seems like it's fairly new. Is it just this year or has it been since last year? When did it start? Well,
2: it started small with just um, these iPad surveys in um, Logan and Salt Lake. In 2019, we did these iPad surveys around the state but moab joined us just about a year ago their surveys were in february so for moab it's just a a year old and we presented to uh city council last october and then um, you know they were excited i think to learn from the data Uh, you know right when moab was getting started was when co-op covid was taken off so you know, we, we closed the survey right as that was kind of exploding. And and so we decided to come back around this year to pester people to do these surveys again, but just to see how things have changed with the COVID experience. And then I hope to be able to come back in time, hopefully after we bounce back from this craziness and and see how things are changing. So it's it's interesting to get at, at one point in time, but it's It's also really cool to see how things change and hopefully improve over time as we bring these local voices into the discussions for city leaders and county leaders.
0: It's very interesting here because, you know, the basis of our existence is hospitality and being, you know, kind to people and giving them service, etc. And also within their own community, you mentioned mental health and well-being. This community is a really tight community and does a lot of things together. And this last year has been quite devastating on that front. We have lots of, for a small town in Lenoa, we have a ton of nonprofits, you know, multicultural center, free health clinic. This radio station you're talking to me is one of these examples of what we do in Moab. And radio is a little different, but much of the other um, entities require that, you know, participation of the residents. And it's been horrible this last year. I mean, a lot of us have been very isolated within our own towns, and you know, I work in the restaurant sector, and even in that sector, it's been very isolating. You know, I mean, people are wearing masks. You're not at full capacity, and you know, pe- we're, as much as there's many visitors here, there's still you know, we're still in a pandemic. So, I mean, it's it's a very interesting time for you to be doing this survey, and particularly because you started before and are ongoing through a pandemic, and hopefully we'll continue as you say post-pandemic to see to get a real picture and i'm sure it'll be fascinating data for you to survey and and feed and and also give back to the communities
2: yeah absolutely it's important you know we did find what you're talking about in the data you know we asked about the degree to which people take action together in response to local problems or opportunities and moab's you know average was 3.6 and not that that means a whole lot, but it's higher than in many other similar type communities, and that degree to which feel people people feel connected to the community, likewise, you know, really quite quite high. And one hopes that that will help Moab carry through. But boy, do we see the data this year uh, that decline in those social connections, and and that's really clear that's uh, important in Moab, and it'll be interesting to see how that that changes. Um, Yeah, for sure. We're also, I'm also writing a grant proposal right now to try to generate more funds so that we can uh, try to develop, uh, bring more resources and programming through extension to help address the local issues that pop up in the survey. So when, when we see an issue um, popping up that really needs more attention, we can try to funnel those resources and bring people together to, to dra- address them with some resources. So hopefully we'll get that funded and, and be back down there in Grand County to, to try to work on that and really draw upon the, the experience and all the knowledge that's right there in that Moab area to, to develop some of those resources.
0: Another question for you is is regarding, you know, from your standpoint, you're doing all this work. Have you had any feedback from, you know, the entities you're working with? Had they been able to take the information you've given them and actually start formulating some policies based on, you know, the information you're giving them? I know it's a very new project, so I'd understand the wheels of democracy turn quite slowly at times. So I'm just wondering if there's anything you could, you know, to kind of encourage us to, you know, to even participate more that this stuff really works what you're doing and it does help.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as I said, I presented to the city council and they really, you know, very much dug in. They asked quite a few questions. And then in other cities too, this information is feeding into the general planning process. So we've had communities like Harriman who have brought in this data that, uh, you know, in Harriman, they've found through the survey that folks really value open space and trails and that being, you know, being outdoors. And so they kind of ramped that up in their plan a little bit more um, in response to that. Uh, You know, Nephi said that they made some budgetary decisions based on some of the findings. So, um, you know, I think the fact that 17 of the 18 cities from last year are participating again this year um, shows that they value the information. And so the more residents that we can hear from through this survey effort, the more it'll represent that cross section of views and that the leaders and the planners can, can take that information moving forward.
0: Well, it's really awesome that you're, you know, you're working with the local communities to try and enhance what they're doing. Just um, it's much of the discussion in Grand County, as you may or may not be aware of is of course about economic diversification. And it's very interesting that the the body of um, the body that you represent has been um, and in, in the town that you live has been featured as a spotlight community is just an amazing, incredible town, Logan, with the university, which has over 3,000 employees um, just working with the university, as well as a, ver- a quite a really diverse county act- economic activity. What's really exciting for us here in Moab is that we have USU starting here. And I know it's a very humble, brand-new, state-of-the-art extension, but it's the beginnings of the first seed of what I think you know might be offer a lot of solutions for our community in the future as far as diversification goes. Higher education is a resource, I have always said to the leaders that I can talk to, that it doesn't run out. You know, it's not something that you can finish like, oh, that's it, our education's finished now. Unlike other industry in this this state of ours that we extract from the earth, that has a finite resource. Education is an infinite resource. So... It's really exciting that what you're doing and the more collaboration that occurs. I, th- it's going to be. A, 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 I look the, the future looks bright in Moab, and you've talked about how bad this year has been, particularly in hospitality communities. I mean, we've been luckier than most down here. I have to say, just being involved, we're. We're lucky that people crave nature and we have lots of it. You know? So as you said, in your wellness studies, but um, we're just hopeful that we can emerge from this. And the university was being constructed through last year. So despite all the other gloom and doom that was on the news thing, the university was quietly being constructed in, on Aggie Boulevard in Moab. So it's really exciting for us here.
2: It's exciting for, uh, for us up in Logan, too, because, you know, we're the land grant university and being out in all facets and all parts of the state is so critical to our mission, um, both in terms of teaching and uh, providing information, being able to listen to the needs of stakeholders. Um, you've got tremendously great faculty there in Moab and students. And, and it's just, I it can't do anything but thrive there, I think. And, and, and having that connected community um, is really key. When you make that decision to try to overcome a dependence on something like amenity, natural amenity, tourism, rec, and wanting to sort of diversify a bit, when you have a community that's connected and people really care about their place, there's so much they can do together. And I just hope that, that you know, the university's role just continues to be a sort of an engine to bring people together and, and wrestle with th- these ideas. But uh, it's really exciting for us as a university to, to have that expansion in Moab. We're really excited about it.
0: It's, you're very much part of the toolkit that we have available to us to make our existence improve over you know, in the future. And we've, I will say something about Moab. We don't take things lightly. When we get involved with something, we kind of go big. You, know, you can look at um, the hospitality industry here. There's been a lot of investment in this community by various entities that have really garnered a reputation that Moab has created for itself and that we are synonymous with outdoor recreation now. And we've earned that. And we've perhaps gone a little over the top in that regard. So the the university offers a little check and balance on what we have. And I think most of us in the community are extremely excited about, you know, the future, even as small and as fledgling as it seems. The tourism industry was like that here, was my point at one point. There wasn't much to it. And then it grew and people saw the value in it. And and, and I hope that that's the case with USU here. And I'm I'm optimistic it will be, actually. I'm very confident that it's going to occur. So yeah I hope
2: so too and I think something that like this survey can help be a, a little counterbalance sometimes and and realize that there can be some pains along the way and by bringing some of those local concerns you know these feelings that come through the data uh, really loud and clear that economic development is—is is many people say just too fast. And so, how do you how do you d- handle that development and that diversification and maintain the well-being for people who live there and that quality of life? You know, hopefully, by bringing all of these bits of pieces of information to the table, it it creates a space for trying to work through some of the uh, the hiccups that can happen along the way.
0: Well, again, thank you and your university's help in our processes of doing this. We're, we're taking as many um, different methods as possible down here in the community to try and, you know, we definitely hear, I think the community hears itself and we know what our issues are and are very willing to work towards solutions too. But it's really great to have data from your point to back up, you know, policies. It really, I think, helps the lawmakers here to do their job better, I believe. So thank you. All right,
2: well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's it's great to get to know Moab a bit better through this process, and I just hope I can get back there soon to to work with you all to interpret the findings and and see where we can take this in the future. So thanks a lot for having me and everybody. Go to that Utah Wellbeing Project and find the Moab link and take the survey for us. Again, it takes just about 10 minutes or so, and we really value your opinion.
0: And we'll make sure that appears on our, our web page, too, for people to see when they go to our radio web page that, that your information is there, too, for that survey. So thank that you. That is
2: fantastic. I'm All
0: right. Happy. We'll get the word for sure. out for you. And then we'll look forward to ch- I'll, the station. will definitely check back in with you because it's an ongoing project. So it's nice to just check in from time to time to see how things are going. Absolutely. I'd our, be happy
2: to come back when we can talk about the results. And with
0: Zoom, it's very very easy to be here isn't it it's just not quite it as is. nice as physically being in mod i understand you'd much rather actually be here with us now but that those days will be with us, with us in the not too distant future i'm i'm sure i look forward to it thank thanks you dr so flint time. and for your time and um, we'll see you next time thank you very much that was Dr. Courtney Flint, and sh- you're welcome to stay online there if you wish, Courtney. Um, I do have uh, Moab's Economic Development Director coming in, so please feel free to, if you wish, to sit in and listen to her. She's got lots of words of wisdom, too, I'm sure. Hi, Elaine. Hello. Can you hear me? I do, Elaine. I just see a beautiful ah. picture of snow and arches. Is that you? <laughs> You've changed yes. since I saw you last. Our viewers can't <laughs> see this picture, obviously.
3: <laughs> Thank- I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for snow.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Don't hold your breath. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Um, Elaine Gisler is a a woman that wears a couple of hats at the county. She is long known as the Moab Area Travel Council Director, but more recently has undertaken the role of Economic Development Director in Grand County. So with that hat, um, I I welcome you to KZMU Studios again, Elaine. Thanks for participating. Well, it's a
3: pleasure to be here, and I wanted... um, uh, Dr. Flint, to know that I did take the uh, Utah Well-Being Survey. I did that and I forwarded it on to people so that they would take it and we can have um, you know, a lot of um, responses from uh, individuals here in the community. Thanks so much, Elaine. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. I was happy to participate. I had my staff participate, so we hope you get some really, really good stats to help out our community.
2: That's the goal. The more people we can hear from, the more representative we can be and the better information.
3: That, that's you. right.
0: Well, Elaine, you have a very busy plate. I would imagine, at Grand County right now trying to balance all the different roles. But this afternoon, we're really going to really focus in. We could spend hours talking about all the work you're doing on but I really want you to kind of lead off with this um, kind of groundbreaking project with the Coraggio Group and mm-hmm. really explain yeah. its purpose and you know how in, involved it is at a level beyond grand county too that it's kind of it's it's come there's certain you know partnerships with the state in this too so i'll I'll leave it to you to kind of exactly
3: well thank you it's a pleasure to be here and i'm happy to um uh give some uh, additional insight into what we're planning on doing and coraggio is a uh, company that has done work with other counties here in Utah, Carbon, Emery, and, and several others, uh, where they've worked with counties to discuss and come up with a strategy uh, of how to take and build their tourism economy. Well, we don't have that challenge because we're already there. We have an opposite uh, challenge that we're going to work with Caraggio on, and that is uh, processing a, um, a destination stewardship plan so that uh, we will be able to take and, um, and move our community forward. So what it is, is really taking a look at our current uh, area here, uh, putting together a group of individuals from business, residents, uh, leaders of the community, a combination of individuals that will help to facilitate us moving forward and what happens is Caraggio will uh, work with us to um, touch on the neighborhoods, the residents that they live in, the small businesses that they run and really just get an understanding of what, where our community, where we'd like to see our community be uh, in, ten, in 10 years. Hopefully we'll get a sense of it sooner, but, but sort of long-term planning, which I, I think is something that we've not really done in Grand County uh, in many areas. And I think the time is right to move destination stewardship, get input and hear voices uh, from the community so that they can weigh in and feel like their voices are heard so there will be basically three different phases to this entire process and I have to say that the Utah Office of Tourism provided this opportunity to uh, the counties within the state those uh, of us that wanted to take advantage of it by co-oping the cost of this so they'll pick up 50 percent of the cost and the, the other 50 percent will come out of the tourism budget but the state Uh, tourism office really understands the challenges that our community has uh, with tourism so it was really wonderful to know that they're supportive of of this process so really what the plan is going to focus on is stewardship of a thriving destination rather than a development of an emerging destination Uh, that we're going to have extensive stakeholder engagement throughout the project so that we can ensure that the plan is locally driven and not coming from the outside to tell us what you know we need to do so there's there's significant community buy-in to the strategies uh, and we'll number uh, narrow the number of destination imperatives to say three to five um, projects that we we need to implement over uh, the next uh, up to 10 years so it's really exciting that we're going to start this process uh, because as I said we've never done it but there'll be three phases the first uh, phase is really to plan on aligning this project with our goals identifying um, planning inputs and really trying to develop a very clear clear picture of the current tourism landscape and the opportunities and challenges we have for the county so I mean let's face it tourism is the number one revenue driver in our county Uh, we definitely have to look toward diversification of it and I hope to be able to use this survey to help the economic development effort to diversify our economy so I think I think the survey will be welcome it won't be easy going through the process as you know we have a community that that can uh, really bring out their voices. Like to engage. Do right? they like to
0: engage? Which is right. great, honestly. It's democracy it's, at work. No, I
3: think it's. I think it's fantastic. And then we we will be able to provide them. We'll have to provide them with a lot of our regional data and research that we have uh, here in the economy. So we'll look at uh, statistics that I actually collect, which is. You know, visa spending, occupancy spending, uh, different visitation metrics that we're using, and that will help them to assess as we start moving through this process. So we're um, we're hoping there'll also be a an outline of a, a survey, an online survey that we're going to publish out to the community, and the Utah Office of Tourism is really going to help to. Uh, make sure that the local community is aware of this survey because as as Dr. Flint had indicated the more people that you can get to respond to these surveys the the better the information is and the more we can do with that information that that we'll be capturing. So they're going to help promoting the engagement with the survey so that we gain the highest participation possible. Uh, The survey is going to get, we're going to get broad input. Um, We're going to be running a, a focus group. We're gonna gather uh, qualitative inputs that will provide a broader and, and a, a more nuanced perspective. So I'm, I'm very excited we're gonna move um, in, into this project. Probably we have a meeting on February 22nd to sort of lay out the initial stages of it and then we hope to start implementing um, the beginnings of the survey at some point in March. So we'll look at visitor profiles and trends regional and local tourism offerings and assets and tourism infrastructure and support systems so and then we'll get into phase two as the project moves along and we'll have a series of say three to four hour work sessions with the planning team as well as uh, stakeholders so we're really going to get all of these individuals involved and really get uh, clear on the background information and build an understanding of the destination through the visitors eyes and through the local community's eyes uh, and then we will have um, uh, let's see we're going to also have an online event we're going to have a zoom event since we can't meet in person but we will ask the local communities to, uh, the individuals to come on to zoom and I hope that we'll be able to have a couple of different days and Maybe sketch out the times for people if they're working and they can get on in the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. Again, we want as much input from the local community as possible. And then we'll wrap up with um, phase three so that we call, we call that Get Moving, where we're going to uh, have the final presentation of this plan to the stakeholders and share the work done by the planning team and capture any of additional recommendations for changes that might need to be included in the formal documentation. And I think that um, the plans that Carragio will work with us to develop are plans that can be easily implemented and not complicated. And that's exactly what we want. So I'm really excited that we're going to uh, start this process.
0: It sounds incredible, Wayne, that you're engaging. Again, another tool, you know, in the toolbox of how to make it better. Can I ask you a question? Does this have anything to do with the direction you as a travel council have been taking in with the Global Sustainable Tourism Council participation that this seems to parallel that process too. that it seems to complement that process and maybe even explain to the, the listeners out there who are what is the Global Sustainable Tourism Council?
3: About three years ago, uh, as I was looking uh, at our community, and I had the opportunity to work with Rosemary Russo, uh, the sustainable uh, Built sustainability director here at Moab City, uh, and we uh, were working together on these projects and discussed how we could move our community forward, the businesses forward, help everyone, so that our community could be uh, more sustainable. And from that. Uh, As you know, we did an amazing nine-minute sustainability video. I had had to have that created because I think that speaks to, we might be a small community, but we're powerful. Uh, We have done so much in our community to work towards sustainability, and I have to congratulate those individuals that have been out there, as you, Howard, have put solar on your building. I mean, people just like that that have really gone the extra mile to make this uh, all work so we we put the video together we got a lot of feedback from the the local community and we I felt that uh, sustainability was extremely important for us to be able to move forward uh, and really educating the visitor on how we care about our public lands how we care about our area and when visiting here they should care as well. So uh, the Global Sustainable Tourism Council is an organization that I might add we joined uh, three years ago and and had encouraged sustainability ca- uh, conversation throughout the state. We were one of the very first communities to establish and really talk about a solid uh, sustainability agenda. And, this year, the state of Utah joined the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. I was going to ask,
0: so- I was going to ask you, Elaine, because, I mean, uh, it's, it's very difficult to pat yourself on the back for what you do. But, I mean, for many ways, this community leads. We are the first. We always like to be the first ones to venture yes. things. And I'm just wondering how many other counties are members of the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. That well, you're aware of in uh, Utah,
3: that, that I am not not aware of. I would say at zero. Sole member. I would say it's us, and then it is now uh, the state of Utah, which I am thrilled about because we started. We started in kind of a quirky way with the "Do It Like a Moab" local because the Moab locals love our community. We want to preserve it, protect it for many generations to come. So we we felt that. Uh, getting that message out there, and I believe that that really helped uh, the state to understand because they saw, you know, positive, of course there were some negative things, but more positive than negative, but they, they really understood that talking about sustainability and how we can care for all of our public lands, how critically important, uh, what, a, what an important subject it is. So, uh, yes, I'm happy to see that the state moving in that direction and sort of taking our lead. Well, I
0: mean, uh, often you don't hear that. I mean, I know you're, you're sitting in a much maligned position that a lot of criticism has heaped your way, which isn't really, I would say, directly your fault. I think there's anger related to the state laws. And I don't know if you caught an earlier part of the show when Carl was on the air. And it looks like things are moving in that regards. And, you know, he's listening to our community. And I think what he's doing is it just shows you how... When we work with our partners, whether it be state, local, federal, we can achieve so much. Yes, And when we work against them and in conflict with them, we achieve nothing, you know, and I I really believe you're bridging those gaps upstate and trying, you know, we've got a very hostile local community, as you know, you know, with things that, you know, it's, it's a, we have a very successful economy that's overwhelmed us in a way. And it's, it's, it's hard now because it's already been developed. And, you know, the hotels aren't going to just all of a sudden disappear and the campsites on the federal lands aren't going to just vanish. And, We, people crave us. I mean, people crave nature right now. I mean, we just happen to be doing this really incredible job from a mining town into a tourism town to say, come to visit us. And we've right. done maybe too well with like that, you know, and exactly. it's we're almost, a vic- I would say that in a sense that we're a victim of our own success, you know, we've, right. we've really kind of created some real opportunities for us, but what you're working on are often these solutions-based initiatives, I would say. Well,
3: and, and that's true. And I, I believe, uh, I'm really happy to represent economic development in Grand County and tourism being a part of economic development. And I really feel it is, it, is, I, I want to leave something behind for our our community and our children i don't think we should continue to export our children out of grand county we've got to find a way to bring businesses here jobs here for people to be able their children to come back here and be near their parents their grandparents and i i think it's important that we find a way to really work on a better balance Uh, and and i'm building and strengthening our relationships with the governor's office of economic development the economic development uh, uh, of Utah, the corporation. So I, I'm really working with all of the state entities uh, to really try to find ways uh, that we we can help uh, to diversify the economy here and not be so dependent on tourism and bring uh, businesses in that are clean businesses that are well-paying jobs, so that we we really can better our community. I'm looking forward for the next 10 to 20 years and what will MOAB, I won't be here, I'm sure. I will be um, in another place, Uh, but where will this community be in 20 years from now? And what can we all do now to make it a, a positive impact on our community in that way?
0: Well, it's funny you mention that because it's my understanding that the county is seeking um, volunteers to serve in a new advisory committee that has economic diversification on its list, which again is coming, you mentioned yes. from the state government from the governor's office, right? This, this yes. new, do you want to talk to a little bit about that? Because I believe there are still positions, you haven't filled those positions yet as a commission. No,
3: actually, um, the applications had to be in, uh, I believe, a week ago, okay. and uh, people had to submit their applications and questions just went out to the individuals that applied. But but I think it's really, uh, and actually Commissioner Curtis Wells uh, set that up uh, and, and the commission approved it. And I really think that that, uh, because we'll be working with the county commissioners, planning and zoning, in business individuals, ind- just individuals in the community, I, I really think it's going to make a big difference in mapping our plan to go forward so uh, I know that the county commissioners are going to review all of the uh, applications along with the questionnaires that came in and then there'll be a a selection process for the individuals that will sit uh, on this uh, council and I'm I'm happy to be part of it and I really think it'll be the first time in a very long time in Grand County that we're going to be able to put a stake in the ground and say okay here we are and this is the direction that we really want our community to go in and this is what where we see our community in the next 20 years
0: i also understand that your office of economic development is also seeking an actual employee so you're expanding you've created a job opportunity so do you want to pitch that while i have you on the air since
3: we have a full-time position we've already gotten quite a few actually applications uh from several locals Uh, which is exciting. So we're going to conduct interviews uh, this week and next week. And then we will be uh, selecting our choice for this full-time position that I believe is going to be a real asset to the community because what we're hoping to do are to take uh, some of the statistics, all of the statistics that we gather in tourism to be able to have this individual work with the local businesses so we can map out a plan review what the business is doing maybe give them some guidance we you know our businesses that are here are so important and we have to help them expand we have to find ways for them to grow and we want we want to retain them and we want to expand them we don't want businesses leaving to go somewhere else so it's important to keep the businesses that we have here uh, in our local community, these entrepreneurs have worked extremely hard, like you, to uh, grow their business. And we want to do everything we can to help make them even more successful.
0: Well, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. So the the stronger the economy is, it's better for everybody on the ship. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have what we have. I mean, uh, this last year has certainly shown the world that. You know, things can change on a heartbeat and, you know, you can't rely on things. But the one thing I think that a resilience of what people seek, and I always try and remind all the people that maybe are not so keen on the tourism, but imagine the first time you came to Moab and saw this space. Okay. I, I, I urge everybody in whatever position you are in the community to put yourself back to that initial space of when you first came here and what this place did to you mm-hmm. and what the nature did to you and how it... It made you feel more human. It made you—I f- mean—and the—we re- don't have to. These are the number of things that describe what we offer here. But in so many ways, in this year of all years, we've done so much to heal Americans, mm-hmm. who have had a troubled year and just seek just a semblance of normal life again, not asking for too much, perhaps, but it's just an opportunity to visit nature. We have national parks here. Mm-hmm. And through last year, I mean, we've had mask ordinances and everything else, but just our nature of what we do mm-hmm. has been a part of the healing process for America. Because last year, as you know, we only saw Americans, and we saw a lot of Americans here yeah, because we, they wanted we, to be here.
3: It's true. We lost, we generally generate about over $10 million um, of visa spending, uh, just visa, uh, from international visitation. And we did not have any visitation, international visitation in 2020. And I know when uh, things opened up, uh, you know, people being in their houses cooped up for months, the chance to get out in the fall and be in open space in in lands, public lands, and uh, just, People coming and feeling uh, just a sigh of relief that they could be out somewhere other than than in their home. So I think um, I think we're going to see definitely see more of that. Obviously, I think the international uh, traveler is going to start to tick up just a little bit um, as we move into fall. I know the airlines are are talking about um, you know things that are going to happen. I'm on conference calls. Uh, this week and next week to get updates on, uh, on tourism. And I do sit on the U.S. Travel Council Tourism Board and I'm excited to be part of uh, a board member so I'm going to be learning about that and I'll be happy to share that with you all as right. that information. Elaine
0: our time helpful. has just flown by not long enough with you. Well dear.
3: it's been a pleasure. Likewise
0: to- well next uh-huh. time we'll have you up and there'll be lots of updates because you've got a lot thank- going on in your yes. office and thanks for all you yes. do for our community Elaine. Appreciate thank you, you. Thank you thank very you, much. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Elaine Gisler. Sorry running out of time this live radio thing it just kind of you in a spot but thanks to all the guests this evening starting with representative carl albrecht really privilege and honor to have you call into us and give us a live from salt lake update dr flint talking about well-being and elaine gisler our very own working on ways to make our community better and hearing the concerns of the residents and trying to find solutions Isn't it great to live in Maya, folks? Aren't you glad you're here and not somewhere else? Let's just continue to make this place a better place. Keep that dial at KZMU. It's all you need. And thanks for being such a participative listener and all your support to KZMU. Look forward to doing this with you again in the not-too-distant future, March.